Okay, Matthew chapter 19 tonight. Matthew chapter 19. We are studying together the second coming of Christ in the four Gospels. Matthew chapter 19. We believe that Jesus Christ will come again to this earth, and we have plenty of scriptural reason to believe that. Father, bless your word in our hearts tonight. Help us to see something that will encourage us, strengthen us, uh, make us better Christians, we pray in Jesus' name, and amen. All right, in Matthew 19, starting verse 27, this is a real clear declaration on the part of Jesus Christ regarding his return. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? It's a fair question. Fair question. If I gave up everything to follow Jesus, is there any, any benefit for it? Uh, any reward? And verse number 28, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one of them forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Let's take this first of three sections that we'll look at tonight. Notice, unmistakably, the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory. That throne is... David's throne at Jerusalem, we've mentioned that a couple of times, we'll study in detail when we get to the book of Luke, but also notice these, these apostles will sit upon 12 thrones and they'll judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Now what does that mean? That means we're dealing with a situation here where national entities exist. That's not heaven. We're dealing with a situation here where the 12 tribes of Israel are in the place God promised them that's not heaven. We're here looking at a place where 12 Jewish apostles are judging 12 Jewish tribes. That's not heaven. That's earth. And all of this involves Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, sitting on the throne of His glory. Now, we know that none of this happened the first time Jesus Christ came to earth. We know that none of these things were fulfilled when the Lord came to go to Calvary and die, so this necessitates a second coming of Jesus Christ. Now the Bible speaks in two places, or, or in, in two ways, about this word regeneration. To generate is to give birth to, or to give life to. And uh, we, we note in Titus chapter number 3, that those of us who are sinners, who trust the Lord Jesus Christ, are saved by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. John, John refers to it as being, well, Jesus in the book of John refers to it as being born again, generated a second time. Not entering the second time into your mother's womb, but having a new birth, a spiritual birth, being born of God. That is not the regeneration in view 
here in this passage. The Lord Jesus Christ is not only the Savior of sinners, but He is the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Colossians teaches that. Uh, John 1 teaches that. Uh, the book of Genesis teaches that. Romans teaches that. Jesus Christ is the Creator. This heaven and this earth are suffering terribly as a result of man's sin, according to Romans chapter number 8. In the seven-year tribulation time, uh, known as Daniel's 70th week, known as the uh, time of Jacob's trouble, there will be 21 judgments poured forth by God upon this earth. All the grass will be burned up, a third of the trees will be burned with fire, the waters of the sea, a third of them will die and all the creatures in them. The rivers and springs and fountains of waters will be poisoned. You're going to have this, this uh, star called Wormwood fall and, and bring more environmental destruction. All of that in addition to the pestilences and the famines and the plagues that will be rampant upon this earth. And then, uh, that's just the lead up to the great slaughter at Armageddon. Now you have to understand, by the end of that seven years, everything, everything that the liberal environmentalist is, is fearing will have come to pass to a greater measure than Al Gore and his followers could ever comprehend. It is going to be worldwide environmental disaster. And then Jesus Christ comes back, and I could but won't tonight read you dozens of prophecies where the desert shall bloom like a rose, where the living water, Jesus Christ, will restore the waters, and those healing waters will go forth from His throne at Jerusalem and, and cleanse and purify the waters of this earth, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands, and everything that has breath will praise the Lord as He sits upon His throne and for this earth there will be a regeneration. The one who gave it life will remake and renew and restore that life. Praise the Lord. Jesus said all of that will be in connection with Him sitting on the throne of His glory. And when He does, there will be 12 Hebrew apostles, each one governing, each one ruling over uh, one, uh, one of the twelve tribes of Israel. Listen to it uh, in uh, Acts chapter number 3. I read this passage to you. Verse number 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and He shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you whom, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of His holy prophets since the world began. So here's what people missed. Since the world began, the prophets, and it's all through the prophetic writings, have foretold a day when Jesus Christ would come in glory and fix all the damage that man's sin has done, not just to man, but to man's dwelling place not just to the people, but to the earth where the people reside. And the Lord promised that. And He calls it the times of regeneration. He calls it the times of, uh, in this passage, the times of refreshing. But what, what the world missed the first time He came, and what they continue to miss to this day, is the Bible says, and He shall send Jesus Christ, 
whom the heaven must receive until the times, the restitution of all things. So he was here, he had to be here for the heavens to receive him. But he has to come back in order to fulfill those prophecies. So of necessity there is a second coming of Jesus Christ if we believe what God has promised in His Word. Back to Matthew chapter 19. Back to Matthew chapter 19. Just a little practical matter here. Verse 28, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. There is nothing there about them being saved because they followed Jesus. There is something said there about their governing with Him in His earthly kingdom because they followed Him. Rewards and salvation are two entirely different matters. Salvation is not a reward for service, but there are rewards for service. Let's continue on. In verse number 29, everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive it a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Now, Peter is the man who asked the question. Once Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever, and Jesus went to Peter's house to heal her. You know what Peter had done? He had forsaken house to follow Jesus, but he still had a house. He had forsaken wife to follow Jesus, but he still had a wife. The Lord is not asking you to give away everything you own and get a tarp and live behind the old tractor supply building up here. He is asking you to stop using your house as an excuse to not follow Him. Stop using your family as an excuse to not follow Him. Stop using your, your legitimate duties and obligations as an excuse to not follow Him. The Lord is not asking you to give away, but to give up. He's not asking you to do without. He's just asking you to put things in their proper place. Lord, I would serve you, but I have a family. The Lord's got a family. Lord, I would serve you, but I got this house I'm working on. He's got a house he's working on. Lord, I would serve you, but I got all these children. He has more children than you do. He's asking us to stop using the other things we have to do as an excuse for not doing the most important thing we have to do, which is serving the Lord. Amen. And we get rewarded, we get rewarded because when I could have spent these hours serving other things, I spent them serving Jesus. And I get a reward for that. Now, it'd be nice, people say, well, my ministry is my family. I can't find a place where you get a reward for loving your wife or loving your husband or training up your children in the, in the way they should go. That's commanded. But when you do that and still serve Jesus, there's a reward there for that. 
Now, look at, look at the next passage, chapter 20, verse number 1. Matthew 20, verse 1, 4, the kingdom of heaven. Again, if you, if you weren't with us last time, uh, that's the earthly, visible, physical kingdom that Christ will set up on this earth when he, when he returns. Well, it's in operation now. It's just under Gentile control and Gentile power. It's ruled over uh, by, well, in, in Daniel's uh, image of, uh, of that uh, great image in Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon was the head of gold. And then the, the, uh, the Medes and the Persians came in, and then the Greeks, and then the Romans. And so you have one head of gold and one, uh, one uh, torso of silver, and then you have two legs, and then you have ten toes. And what you see is this kingdom not only gets weaker and weaker as it goes from from gold to iron mingled with miry clay as you read down through there, but it also gets more divided and more fragmented in its dominion. Nebuchadnezzar, there's one head of gold and there's one torso of silver, but then there's two legs of brass and then there's ten toes of, of iron. And so today the Gentile dominion of this earth is, is, is really diversified. There's a lot of competing and conflicting uh, entities and powers around the world, and that's why when Jesus Christ comes back, uh, he'll, he'll be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because he, he's not replacing one king. He'll be replacing multiple kings and taking over multiple dominions when he comes again. But, but anyway, we're, we're off track there. Uh, For the kingdom of heaven, like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And he, uh, when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Uh, it, it's so difficult to read this and just stay on the, the whole idea of the second coming uh, because it's so instructive, especially in our generation, our day and time. I, I honestly, I, I wish there was a way that I could go and just spend a week in one of our public high schools because I have no idea what's going on there, but it's not much in the way of education. Now look, if you need a job, you can't hope to get one from somebody who's as poor as you are. The only person going to give you a job is a person with enough money to live on themselves and to spend on you. So if you're going to spend your life resenting everyone that has more than you do, you ain't getting anywhere. Now, when you get hired and you say, I can't believe he told me to do that. I can't believe she asked me to do that. It's, my, it's not your job. It's his job. He is hiring you to perform one of his jobs. Now, when these people went to work, they were offered a penny for a day's work. At the end of the chapter, they're going, to be, they're going to be disappointed and angered that they got a penny for a day's work. Let, let me just help you out. If, if you're, if you're seven, 16, 17, 18, 19, let me help you out. Before you go to college and spend four years to get a degree, to get a job that pays $50,000 a year, ask yourself, do I want to spend four years in college to get a job that pays $50,000 a year? Because what, if you study for a $50,000 a year job, that's what it pays. Now, if you want to study um, tribal dance, 
and advanced feminism, that, pay, that, that pays nothing. That pays nothing. You'll have plenty of time to go on marches and pickets and, and, uh, and wear funny hats because you ain't going to have a job because nobody's hiring that. Anyway, now, when, b before you enroll in the school, you're going to go and you're going to say, I don't have any money, and they'll say, well, we'll loan you $120,000 so you can go to two years of school, and then we'll, then we'll re-up, you can re-up for another $120,000. Now, when you graduate, I don't want to see you on social media whining about your student loan debt. You signed up for whatever it is you owe. I shouldn't have to pay it. I didn't borrow it. Now, when you, when you get out of school and you got $240,000 in student loan debt plus interest, which you should have known about interest, but you went to public school, so they never, they never taught you about interest, and you get that job that pays $50,000 a year, and 15000 of it go to pay for somebody else's stuff, you're going to want to come and complain to whoever it is that said, I'll hire you for a penny a day. But that's what you agreed to work for. Don't take a job paying $12 an hour and then walk out and strike and try to cripple the man who hired you for $12 an hour because you can't live on $12 an hour. If you're not careful, he'll make a robot. They'll teach that thing to slap patties on burgers and squirt ketchup and you just get your tarp and live behind the old tractor supply. Because it's his job. Well, we better press on here. Verse number three. Here's another one. They got, a, they got all these words and they keep saying them and they say them and say them and say them until everybody repeats them and they don't mean a thing. We need more affordable housing. Every house that was ever built is affordable. Just not to you. That, that doesn't even mean anything. Affor affor we need more affordable housing in Volusia County. Every house built in Volusia County is affordable. They're building more because the ones that are built are sold. Somebody could afford it. What they mean is, somebody should build a house and make somebody else pay for what I can't afford because I don't want to live in what I can afford. These are hard sayings, they are. <laughs> Verse number three, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way, and he went again about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise, and about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. They just keep showing up. I mean, every time he pulls up in Home Depot, there's another bunch in the, in the parking lot waiting to go out and do a, do a day's work. Praise the Lord. Hey, at least they're out there wanting a job. All right. Uh, why, you stand here, why stand you here all the day idle? They say unto him, because we don't have cable. <laughs> no, they say unto him, because no man hath hired us. He said, saith unto them, Go ye into the, also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that ye shall receive. So, 
when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. That's what he offered them. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. Now, you know what's going to get you bent out of shape throughout the entire course of your life? Supposing that what someone told you isn't what they meant. Supposing that what the contract says isn't what the contract means. Supposing that the terms of your employment weren't the terms of your employment. I thought thought I'd make more than this. What, What did you hire on for? Well, I hired on for $15 an hour, but I, I thought when they saw how, how great I was that I'd get more than I. Well, you might have thought it, but you don't get paid based on what you think. People go to a church and they, you know, they, they take in two or three or four services and they get this idea of what the church is going to be about. And then after the next three or four or five services, well, I didn't think that, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Well, We can't be what everybody thinks we're going to be. Some of you girls are engaged. You better find out what husbands are biblically, not what you think a husband's going to be. You men better figure out what the Bible says a wife's going to be, not what you think a wife's going to be. Yeah, we're we're doing well tonight. We're doing well. When the first came, they supposed, well, I just thought (laughs) that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, (laughs) I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Well, I thought if I got a degree, I'd get a good job. Well, you might have thought that, but it's not promised. Well, you know, I just thought if I worked hard all my life, I'd have more than this by now. (laughs) Didn't we all? (laughs) You can't build your life on what you think. You've got to build your life on what's so. He said, I had done you wrong. I, I honored the agreement that I made with you. Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Now, in this, in this passage, we know who owns the vineyard. We know who the Lord of the vineyard is. And, and that's, that's uh, God the Father. And we know, we know who, who it is that puts the servants to work and who rewards the servants. That's God the Son. And the steward here, of course, representing the Holy Spirit. We know that. And so here's, here's the point. You better find out in this Bible what you get for being saved. And if you murmur against the Lord because you thought you were going to get healing and riches and, and the fountain of youth and all the rest of that, he's going to say, you know what? I don't know what you're griping about. I kept my word with you. The fact that you had false expectations because you were listening to the wrong kind of preaching 
or, or the wrong kind of friends or your imagination. That's not my problem. Just go your way. I've been, I've been fair with you. And you need to get in this Bible and find out what, what you get for serving the Lord in time and what you get for serving the Lord in eternity and not expect to get anything else. He's going to deal fairly with us and justly, and he'll, he'll do right according to, according to the contract. Trouble is, people don't read the contract. I mean, here's, here's the agreement right here. Why didn't I know the Bible said that? Well, that's, that's not God's fault. And so he says in verse number 14, Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as uh, unto thee. Is it not lawful? Now watch. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Now your president, bless his heart. He's not my president. Well, yeah, we said that for eight years, so <laughs> get used to it. He said in, in recently, and, and he meant well, he said America will never be a socialist nation. Well, I mean, that's... What he, what he means is we'll never be as socialist as Venezuela is right now, or we'll never be as socialist as, as well, I started to say Bernie Sanders, but he's a millionaire. <laughs> what he means is you need to be a socialist. <laughs> anyway, so the president says we'll never be a socialist. Okay, let me ask you something. Take that thine in. Or is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Question. If you own a rental property, can you rent it to whoever you want to? That would be no. If you own a company, can you hire who you want to? That would be no. If you own a business, can you pay people what they're actually producing instead of what the government says you have to pay? That would be no. What's well, my land? I'll build a nine-foot-high fence on it if I want. No, that would be no. I want to cut down all those sacred holy oak trees and get them out of my way, I'll cut them down. That would be no. The way you know that we are not living and operating in a biblical system of private property rights is because you can't do what you want to do with what belongs to you. And on, on a hundred different layers, you can't do what you want to do with your own uh, property in your own possessions. But Jesus said, see, Jesus said, I can do what I want to do with what's mine. And guess what's his? The vineyard, who works there, what they get. It's his. And so he says, it's not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own. Is thine eye evil because I am good? See, the problem is how we look at things. If we look at things with an evil eye, they look evil when they're not. I, 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 gotta, I gotta stay on second coming. I can't, I can't, can't go any farther down this road. 16, so the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called but few chosen. What, what are we dealing with here? Because in the, in the very next passage, it's clearly second coming once again. In the passage just before it, it's clearly second coming. What's the idea here? A man 
is hiring laborers to work while he is absent. He is going to reward those laborers when he returns. Not along the way, but when he returns. See that? So Jesus Christ has made some promises of rewards and some promises of, of earthly blessings and material rewards. And we'll, we'll see those spelled out for us in later, later sermons and later lessons. But the idea is, A, he doesn't pay you up front. B, he doesn't pay you along the way. He pays you when he comes back and settles accounts. Which, which means in its context, we must understand there is a time period in between the day the Lord begins to send people out to work for him and the day that work comes to a close, there is a period of time there. Praise the Lord. So if you, if you serve Christ acceptably in the first century, second century, 12th century, 20th century, well, I thought I'd have more than this. The day's not over. People think their reward is a bigger house or a nicer boat or a better job or a, a miracle skin cream that makes them look young again. Or When do these people get paid? When he comes back. Well, you know, I just thought if I served the Lord, things would go better for me. Why would you think that? It's not in the contract. I just thought if I lived for Jesus, these bad things and these troubles wouldn't happen to me. That's not in the agreement. The agreement is when I come back, I will pay you what I said I would pay you if you worked for me. Which means there's got to be a, a gap of time or space of time between first coming and the second coming. All right, this one's a little clearer, verse 20. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him. Isn't that a good thing? And desiring a certain thing of him. Isn't that a good thing? So this, this woman is coming to Jesus, and she's bringing her, her two boys with her, and they come and they worship the Lord, and they come and they pray to the Lord. Isn't that great? Kind of loses some of its luster when you realize these boys are grown men. But that's okay. If you're a mom, you've got grown sons, I'd, I'd worship the Lord and, and come into the prayer room with my grown sons. But here's what she says. She said, he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left, in thy kingdom. Now, now wait, now wait. Before you give her a hard time, what do you want for your kids? Big houses, fancy cars, lots of money, shopping sprees. I mean, that's, a, that's a very, very godly, honorable desire for a mother to have. That my sons could sit on thrones right next to Jesus. Of course, it completely rules out every other mother's sons and their desires, but why not pray and ask the Lord for the best? 
Lord, I, I pray that my, my kids would just barely get by and just be a disaster all their life. And, <laughs> and that's, there's nothing spiritual about that. But her prayer was not material. It's spiritual. But Jesus answered and said, now when, when, when it, the verse starts with, but Jesus, you know you messed up somehow. <laughs> Something just a little off. Did you hear from him, guys, in the sound room? There's, there's some fellow, every time you all laugh, oh, that's disrespectful, you shouldn't laugh in church. <laughs> If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. Anyway, but Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. We've had a lot of that today, haven't we? Peter said something because he didn't know what to say, and now this woman's praying because she doesn't know what to pray about. You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, we are able. As we said a moment ago, read the contract. <laughs> Click. Have you read the terms of service? Yes. Liar. <laughs> you have not read the terms of service. And if you did read them, you realize you just gave away your firstborn and, and your inheritance and everything else. Anyway, so he says, uh, they say, we're able. He saith unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup, of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. And we'll, we'll, we'll explain that in just a second. But to sit on my right hand on my left is not mine to give, but it should be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. My Father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Which is odd because they didn't ask for anything, their mom did. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know, the prince of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they have the great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and so forth. Now, here, here's all we're going to say about, about the passage tonight. We're not, we're not teaching about their attitude and their desire and all that. Just notice, it is understood Christ is going to have a kingdom. It is understood Christ is going to sit on a throne. It is understood there will be other earthly thrones surrounding, roundabout, assisting, ministering with Christ when he sits on his throne. Everybody see that? You, you can't make any sense of these passages in Matthew 19 and Matthew 20 if there is not going to be a second coming of Jesus Christ. There are no such thrones in heaven. There's no such divided administration or, or meted out government in heaven. Christ must be coming again. Now, what did the mother of James and John, what did they miss? What did James and John miss? What did the ten who were filled with indignation, what did they miss? The passage we passed over. Verse 17. And Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart. I bet he'd like to do that more than once. But that's 
not in, not in that sense, in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. Now you want to know why you're better off saved with the whole Bible and the Holy Spirit living inside you then you would have been walking beside Jesus and seeing his face and listening to him teach. Look at Matthew 19, verse 28. The Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. Look at Matthew 20, verse 18. The Son of Man shall be betrayed. The Son of Man, verse 19, should be delivered to the Gentiles. The Son of Man will be scourged and crucified. Matthew 19, 28, the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory. Do you, do you understand how confused those men had to have been? Lord, what's the plan? Well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on a throne. I'm going to rule and reign in glory. And you twelve are going to rule over the twelve tribes of Israel. Great. What else? Well, I'm going to pay everybody for their service and reward them. Great. What else? Well, I'm going to be scourged and, and betrayed and nailed to a cross and die. What? I mean, honestly, try to put yourself in their sandals. <laughs> That's really confusing. Unless he's coming twice. And once again you see in, in, these, in these very same passages the first coming of Christ to suffer and bleed and die to pay for sins and the second coming of Christ to rule and reign in righteousness. And if you don't believe in two comings there's an awful lot of the Bible you've just got to reject. Or just say, it, it, it doesn't mean anything, I can't make any sense of it. But if he came once to go to Jerusalem and die, and he's coming a second time to go to Jerusalem and sit on a throne and rule and reign, then it all makes sense. Now, we're living on earth, and we're trying to serve the Lord, and we've forsaken some things to try and serve Jesus, and we've given up this and given up that, and we say, where's my reward? You just read it. Your reward is not connected to his first coming, it's connected to his second coming. And he doesn't reward the first hour guys until the twelfth hour guys are done. He doesn't reward the start of the day laborers until the end of the day laborers have completed their work. So we will all stand at the judgment seat of Christ, receive our reward, Christians, and then those surviving on earth the second coming will receive uh, rewards accordingly and we'll talk about all that Lord willing next week. But So anyway, you see, that? see the, two, the two comings there and the necessity of the two comings to make sense of the passages. Amen. Alright, Father, thank you for the Bible. Uh, help us Lord as we go through these things. Pray God they, they become clearer and clearer with each, uh, with each look and with each passage. We we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen.